on SECCountry.com. You know, we get a little bit closer to Alabama Crimson Tide football. The excitement beginning to build here in Tuscaloosa everywhere you go. Whether it's stopping and getting gas, whether you're stopping and getting a, a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. Everybody wants to talk Alabama football. Can Alabama be that team that goes 15-0? Can they be the team? You know, I was looking at some of Phil Steele's rankings. He's got Alabama's the number one team. Alabama, can they do it? Can they go back-to-back? Can they defend the national championship? We're going to talk with Mike Dettelier coming up about that. We'll talk about some SEC college football and a little bit of a preview. We talk about the Manning Passing Academy. Jalen Hurts is going to be out and live in Thibodeau, Louisiana. We're going to have some coverage of that. We'll look forward to talking to Mike Dettelier, WWL 870 out of New Orleans. Mike, am I right? I mean, just an easy day for easy week for you. Um, you want me to answer it truthfully? You yes. want me to lie? No, to no, you? no, no. I want you to give me the truth, man. No, I'm just no, no. Listen, we just finished up our uh, offensive defensive line camp. We've been running since Thursday, and it, it just broke um, at noontime today. So it's it's a real quick turnaround from um, from we had fourteen four hundred and seventeen kids here for the alignments camp, and uh, Manning's coming in Thursday, so. It's a quick turnaround, so it's it's fast. Talk about, I mean, give us a little bit of a preview of what will happen at the Manning Passing Academy. For those who have never had a chance, like myself, I've never been down there, talk about kind of the, the, the way everything works and, and the way that all this is kind of generated throughout the week. Well, uh, Thursday, all the counselors come in. They have a little session with uh, with the Mannings, just, you know, the, the college quarterbacks where, uh, I think it's at two o'clock to, uh, Thursday, where you know they kind of throw it around. So a little private session uh, that you know they they get some instruction from from Peyton and Eli and Archie on certain things, and then uh, there's a big get together Thursday night with all the counselors and the players, where it's a question and answer, where you get you know the players ask questions to the counselors and uh, to the Mannings and that sort of thing, and I'll give you, a, last year, one of the funniest lines, uh, that was a young man, he's from, in California, he was 15 years old back then, and uh, he raised his hand up, he had a question to ask, and he said, I'd like to question Josh Allen, uh, the quarterback from Wyoming, who uh, was a first-round pick at the Buffalo Bills in April, and he's like, I, I want to know kind of how you handled your recruiting, because he said, you know, I've I've already got, 15 scholarship offers and um, you know, just to go through, you know, things that happen in recruiting and and how to handle it the best way. And um, Josh Allen says, well, listen, I'd love to be able to help you, but I only got one offer coming out of high school. Hmm. Well, sitting next to him, he said, why don't you ask this guy? It was Baker Mayfield. Well, that broke up the room. I mean, I mean, everybody's laughing at this point, and Baker points to Sam Darnold, and Sam says, well, I think I can help you out a little bit on it. Uh, but, you know, here you had, you know, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh, Mason Rudolph, you know, all these guys all in one room. Uh, you know, and not even talking about Jalen and Shea Patterson and Fitzpatrick from – uh, Mississippi State, uh, Herbert from out at Oregon. But, you know, 
here's a kid, 15 years old. He's got more scholarship offers than I got to end up being a number one pick in the draft. So <clears throat> it's it's kind of a get together session, and they break it down Fridays. They have uh, nine different practice fields, and so if you're a spectator, you know where your son is and where he's going to throw the ball. You get to kind of walk up and you kind of watch uh, him work out uh, with one of the counselors in the morning. They have an afternoon session. They have a late night session. Uh, it's a shorter session, but it goes through that uh, on the Friday. Saturday, they have an early morning session, an afternoon session, and then at night they have the Manning Air It Out where – all the top college quarterbacks face off in a passing sort of competition. And, uh, so and, it's and that's Saturday to, night? That's Saturday night or Friday night? Sa- Saturday night. That's Saturday night. And uh, it brings out a lot of competitiveness uh, in people. Um, <laughs> you see it. And a lot of the guys you would think would win it aren't the winners. Um, but last year, Ryan, uh, in fact, I told this to Archie two days ago, uh, and he he said, I wasn't aware of the number. There were 13 quarterbacks picked in last year's draft. Ten of them were at the Manning camp last year. Oh, wow. Wow, what a big number. Yeah. And of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm not counting the guys selected, 17 of them attended Manning. Incredible. So, you know, that, I mean, it goes to show you it didn't start that way. Uh, I remember Archie calling me, listen, I got a camp. It was Peyton's idea. He wants a passing camp. And I said, what's going on there? He said, well, you know, Peyton got the idea because, you know, he was a high school player and he didn't like that, you know, teams getting beat 49 to 13 and they throw the ball seven times in a game. And, you know, and so Peyton was, you know, we've got to do something to kind of help out the pitch and catch part of the game. And so it's actually was Peyton's idea. And, but Archie pieced it together. It started at Tulane. I think the first year they maybe had 50 uh, guys there. And it gradually grew a couple hundred. Went to Southeastern, where it became more like four or five, six hundred. Well, then we grew out of it. It just got too big. And so Nickel State, which is out in Bayou Country, and where they bought some fields that were at one time sugarcane, fields and they were able to smooth it out and we've got all these practice fields it's been there i think it's 12 years now at nickel state and so uh hopefully the weather will hold up and you get to see it i think it's 1100 kids have signed up for manning this year incredible 48 states five different countries impressive mike let me ask you this i want you to take us because you've been involved with this event for many many years okay so so let me ask you what has changed about quarterback developing then and where it is now? Do you think these kids are better prepared? What has changed about that position? Yeah. got to remember, Ryan, this was before 7-on-7. Seven seven. Manning was involved with the pitch and catch part of the game before 7-on-7, seven seven. and especially before 7-on-7 seven seven really hit the south. Um, there was a little bit of 7-on-7 seven seven going out west. And then it hit the Texas region. And then we've seen it now. It's it's all over uh, the country. But I think it certainly has helped the development of the quarterback play. 
and the fact that you're getting the fundamentals taught to you. This is not an elite ele- – if you're coming here to watch high school quarterbacks throw, then you're in the wrong place. This is a fundamental uh, camp where you get to be taught by college quarterbacks and also the Mannings. And Peyton will move from one station to the next to the next to the next. The funny thing about watching Peyton is he's not only teaching the high school kids, he's teaching the college kids. I I sent you the picture last year. He's teaching Jalen Hurts. He's talking to him about his footwork and his fundamentals. Uh, So – you, that part has changed dramatically, that you see it so much more now in, in the region that we live in across the Deep South of them throwing the football. This is over 20 years Manning's been in place and, and teaching the pitch and catch part of the game. And there's always a balance of the scale. 20, 25 years ago, this was all, you know, most teams ran the ball. That, that was what they did. Now, you look at high school football, some teams, because of the system they run, are still real good running the ball. And they got a system that's unreal, but it's become much more of a pitch-and-catch game. Uh, The middle school and high school uh, part of it, and a lot of that has to do with the origins of Manning and 7-on-7. That's where it's come from. We've made great strides over the last over 20 years in seeing that progress. And now the spread offense, where it's the quick read, you throw to the hot guy. But, Ryan, isn't that what we see in the NFL today? Sure it is. That's a lot of it. So it's not only filtered from high school to college, but also you see the pro teams taking some concepts of the spread and implying it RPO-wise in the pro ranks. And so – it's, um, did, it's did definitely you see, made a huge impact across did, the board. It, it's still because, you know, I just got out of a camp, and it's not a ball camp. The offensive-defensive lineman camp is not a ball camp. It's about fundamentals. It's about trench work. And Pete Jenkins, uh, you know, who's basically the godfather of uh, uh, defensive line coaches and coach for Coach Saban and across the board, and it's just unbelievable, 78 years old, still kicking with it. Uh, to have all these counselors here to teach them about it. And he still says it. Hey, listen, it's still about what you can do in the trenches. But today, the emphasis so much now on protecting the quarterback and getting after it. He said, that's the difference. He said, you know, when I was coaching, he said, in the 80s, you know, in the late 70s and into the 80s, it was all about stopping the run and running the ball. And he said, listen, that's still important. But he said, a big portion of today, because of the way the game has changed, it's still about running the ball and stopping it, but it's also about you better have a quarterback, you better have somebody that can stop that quarterback from throwing it. It's all about influencing his throw. And and so you can see what type of impact Manning and 7-on-7 had uh, on the game today, and there were always camps before this. I went to a camp back in the 70s. Uh, I remember Joe Namath had a camp in Pennsylvania uh, for quarterbacks back then. Joe would show up for the pitcher the last day. <laughs> it wasn't like Joe was working it, you know. Uh, you could go to the John McKay camp at USC or the Paterno camp, 
and they would show up the last day and take a picture with you, but it wasn't like they were working it. The Manning camp's a lot different in, in watching uh, Eli and Peyton and Cooper. And, you know, Archie does a lot from the, from the golf court today. You know, he's, he's had 11 surgeries uh, over the last couple of years, and so he can, he's not out there doing it. But still, it's, uh, it, it's wonderful to see this this time of year in a little bitty town of Thibodeau to have that type of impact in a in a nine day period to have the largest offensive line camp in the South and have the biggest passing academy in the in the nation right here. Now, Mike, I'm going to be looking for some good Cajun food. Are you going to kind of point me in the right direction? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you find me, and uh, I definitely can show you where to, where we can go eat. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm all in. Hey, going back to the quarterback, did you see Brett Favre? talking about the RPO and how he sort of uh, came up with that before we were calling it RPO. And he said he was bored with the game and he kept going, okay, I think I can do this. And he pitched it to him. And did you see that comment that came out last week? I think he was sitting I down. Saw it, but I'll tell you know. the whole story. Okay. That actually came from his dad, Irvin. Did it really? Okay. Yeah. Irvin, who was a high school coach, um, and actually, Irvin was part of our Monday night broadcast for about six years on WWL radio. And Irvin, he took full credit for it. That it, You know what he said? I, I brought it up to, to Brett about it. And he said, you know, when we, Brett was in high school, a lot of people questioned, why didn't you let Brett throw the football more? And he was like, man, the way Brett throws that ball, how many receivers in high school do you think is catching that fireball? So he said, you know, we came up with a little concept of the RPOs, and he said Brett took it to another level. Actually got started by his dad. Uh, But, um, man, you know, if you ever watch Brett Favre throw the football, that's not what you would teach a kid how to throw it. I mean, he's got a bit of a funky delivery. He does. Now, again, that ball coming out of there, they got smoke on the back end of it. But it's not what you would say is a typical delivery of a football. But Irvin said, you know, once he got it, I wasn't going to break him of that. Like you said, it's like a pitcher that's done great in high school and in college, and he pitches in the minors, and some major league pitcher's going to try to change his delivery. Ain't no changing it. You got what you got. And so uh, it's an interesting situation where Irvin came up with it, and I think Brett took it and ran with it to be honest with it. And it's uh, that RPO thing where, I mean, that, that's all you hear today uh, from any camp and how to play it. Uh, and, and it's put a lot of pressure points on the defensive side to football. But, uh, man, you, you think about if you're a high school receiver and you got that ball zinging at you the way Favre would throw it, you can understand why Brett let, you know, why Urban let Brett run the ball quite a bit. And a lot of high school receivers catching that. Uh, that bullet coming from his arm. Hey, Mike, I always appreciate the analysis. Let me quickly here. I've got about uh, about 90 seconds. I want to get your redshirt thoughts or thoughts on the redshirt rule as we give a little back to college football and student athletes. What's your thoughts on the redshirt rule? I'm all for it. I, I think it's a great idea. I, I thought it was terrible. You know, you get a guy that, you know, plays a couple plays or, you know, plays in a game and then that's it. 
come on, common sense got to take over here, Ryan, that, that you got to have some semblance here uh, of it. And I think at least this is a step in the right direction. At least they did something positive here. I, I, I like that part of, of the red shirt because a lot of times because of numbers and injuries, you might have to play somebody for a short period of time and you have that ability to at least get another year out of him. So I'm all for it. And if he's good enough, you know what? The rule states three years out of high school, you can go pro. It's not going to make a difference to a guy. So one way or another, he's going to make up his mind any way he wants to. But I like the rule the way the NCAA has it today. Mike Tatillier, WWL870. I'll see you this week. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Look forward to talking to you. See you Friday, Ryan. Hey, it was great to be able to talk to Mike Tatillier, WWL 870 out of New Orleans. Let's talk more Alabama football the next time you and I connect here on the daily edition of the Alabama Crimson Tide podcast on seccountry.com as we cover the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll see you on the Twitter account at Ryan C. Fowler, at Ryan C. Fowler, and I'll talk to you next time here on Alabama Crimson Tide Podcast on seccountry.com.